This is The Deep Frag. I'm Christopher Lawson. So much of our lives are lived online, and we know that the apps and platforms that we use every day have a lot of our personal data, whether it's Facebook, our email, or the other websites we visit. Much of that data that we give platforms is a trade-off that comes with these apps being free. For most of us, it's not something that you have to worry about in the course of your work. But for many journalists, keeping information confidential and sources protected is a vital part of the job. Reporters go to great lengths to ensure that conversations with particular sources are secure. For example, using a messaging app like Signal that offers end-to-end encryption. But one service that's become an important tool for journalists may have vulnerabilities that are being overlooked. For more on this story, here's producer James Parkinson. A big part of journalism is speaking to people and doing a lot of interviews. And particularly for a lengthy interview, the best practice is to record it and get that audio transcribed. Sometimes that's part of a journalist's job, but often that task is outsourced to a transcription service. And it's become more common in recent years with the rise of automated transcriptions. These transcription app services are really uh, miraculous and they're an incredible boon to, to journalists and to researchers and anyone else who has to do uh, a fair amount of interviews and needs to turn those interviews around into text or accessible text very quickly. This is Phelan Khan. And I'm the Washington DC-based China correspondent at Politico. And so over the last decade or so, we've sort of seen a boom in the development of these apps. Otter AI is probably one of the better known apps. And essentially what they do is these are cloud-based services that use a combination of human transcription and AI tech that takes your audio and turns it into text. It's not perfect. You know, where it stumbles over words, depending on the accent, depending on the sound quality. And then it renders uh, that audio as real-time, immediate text that you can access. These services have free uh, levels of service, and then there are more generous in terms of time and service, pay services as well. And as a journalist working at Politico, I would say that these services, and Otter in particular, is is extremely popular and has become a real uh, irreplaceable part of the journalist's toolkit. Otter AI, the service Fielder mentioned, is actually the same one we use here at Lawson Media, and it really is amazing. There's always some correcting you have to do, but it gets you most of the way there. These services are driven by machine learning algorithms, so they're cheaper and faster than a human transcriber. For the most part, we're not dealing with really sensitive information, but for journalists who are, transcription services can pose some risks. As I discovered, to a a certain extent, the potential risks of the data privacy and security of your materials that you record and store on the servers of these apps is something that really flies below the radar. How did you first become aware of the the privacy issues with these services? 
So on November 8th, I had an interview with a man by the name of Mustafa Aksu. And Mustafa is, uh, lives in exile in the United States. He is a Xinjiang Uyghur Muslim who uh, has fled Xinjiang due to the uh, egregious human rights abuses that are being meted out to the, the Xinjiang Uyghur population by Chinese state policies, which by various governments have been described as crimes against humanity or genocide. Mustafa works for a nonprofit human rights organization called the Uyghur Human Rights Project. And I was interviewing him about a project that that organization has about treating the trauma of exiled Uyghur Muslims in terms of dealing with the stress and pain of family members left behind in Xinjiang and everything that's happening there, but also in terms of harassment by uh, Chinese state or state-affiliated individuals and entities. So that was on the 8th. And on the 9th, I got a survey, a, what was described as a quality survey from Otter. And it said, hey, um, we'd like you to take a survey to improve our service. And I was all for it. You know, I, I, I love Otter's service. I'd like to make it better. And so I thought that they would ask me about, you know, what kind of words do we miss? Or, you know, what would you suggest in terms of sharpening the, the accuracy? And so I opened it up. And instead of that, it said, I'm paraphrasing, it said, on this date yesterday, you spoke to Mustafa Aksu. And what was the purpose of your conversation? So it was it was Otter asking me about a Xinjiang Uyghur Muslim who has been on the radar of Chinese state authorities and asking me what I was talking to him about. And it was a three-point multi-answer option, but it was very disturbing. And I immediately thought that number one, that this was a phishing attempt. It had never come from Otter. Or number two, if that wasn't it, that Otter had been penetrated by some malign entity and was looking to, it was using their services to get intelligence from the people who use the service. Phelim contacted Otter to verify the email. Initially, they confirmed it was from Otter before a follow-up contradicted their first reply, encouraging Phelim to delete the email. This started a whole string of communication between Phelim and Otter over three months that he says was sporadic and confusing. So it was uh, it was a very drawn out, confusing and stressful because the last thing that any journalist wants to do is put his or her sources at risk and to feel that his or her information is uh, vulnerable to the eyes of individuals or entities or governments that we don't want to have privy to our information. Also, over those three months, Phelim started to look into these transcription services further to find out if his data really was secure. He spoke to cybersecurity experts and former government officials, and what he learned was concerning. That's next, after this short break. Thanks for listening to The Defrag. Our goal with the show is to build a self-sustaining news brand that dives into and explores the intersection of technology, business, politics, and science. 
For the defrag to be a true success, we really need your support. We don't want to be reliant on just having to find advertisers, but we do want the core of our content to remain free. Which is why at our website, thedefrag.com, you can support the show by becoming a member of our free newsletter, or you can become a paid supporter. There are membership plans ranging from just $9 a month up to $50 a month, depending on how you want to support the show. And for your support, you'll get a range of different perks, including an ad-free version of the podcast, access to exclusive VIP events and live streams, and we'll send everyone that signs up a sticker pack. You can find out more at our website, thedefrag.com. Journalists take a lot of care when dealing with sensitive information and sources, and there are many organisations that advocate for the protection of journalists and offer advice on how to keep your work secure. But as Phelan Kind discovered, the privacy concerns that come with transcription apps are largely going unnoticed. You spoke to a number of cybersecurity experts and others. Uh, what did you learn through that process of diving into this stuff? The first thing is that the most striking thing is that everyone that I spoke to said that there are real concerns and problems, potential problems with data security and, and privacy and surveillance with these apps. And that those concerns are not recognized by journalists or even by journalist advocacy organizations. Because I, I reached out to the Committee to Protect Journalists, which is a, a you know, New York-based excellent organization that you know, advocates and defends the rights of journalists. And transcription apps had not made it onto their most recent product about uh, surveillance risks for journalists. So this is new. And the other thing is that talking to these people, it reminded me that every app we use, there are privacy policies that we we just generally just check off and never look into the details of, but contain a wealth of potentially concerning uh, information about what can happen with our data. So for example, for Otter, it has a privacy policy. And I should say that Otter is compliant with the uh, European Union's flagship data privacy policy. So, you know, the data that they're storing is stored under, uh, under conditions that really, that make it challenging for malign outside actors to access. And that's a good thing. But Otter shares its information, what they call their, your personal information, which includes the data that you upload, your recordings, with to like 11 categories of third parties. So you have, for example, you have they share it with uh, analytics organizations. They share with, with advertisers. They share their information. Also, most concerningly, they, they share their information with government agencies and law enforcement agencies. And these are things that we just take for granted as the price of having this convenient tool. Um, but the fact is, is that Otter says outright that we are not, that Otter isn't responsible for the safety security uh, protocols of the third parties that they share information with. So once it leaves the Otter, you know, the firewall, then it's, you don't know what's going to happen to it. So these are things that are, that are really concerning. This also poses risks for journalists in countries where freedom of the press isn't protected. Freelam said the best advice he was given was to avoid using transcription services altogether when dealing with sensitive information. But for those that really rely on these services, there are further issues to consider. 
Otter AI, for example, doesn't include two-factor authentication as standard. It's only available on their business and enterprise plans. Which means if I'm careless with my passwords, if I don't update them enough, if somebody really wants to find out my password, you know, they can find it out. And the other aspect is, you know, I interviewed a former U.S. Homeland Security uh, official who is a cybersecurity expert. And he said, Otter says that it will share your information with law enforcement agencies. And so what he said is you need to live with the possibility that if you interview a sensitive source, that Otter might at some point share that information with the FBI if they request it. Now, what Otter says is that we will only do that if we are subpoenaed and, and required under legal obligation to do so. But that means that it's, it's vulnerable. So again, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's just another risk that if you're dealing with sensitive information on sensitive issues and people who are vulnerable, that you don't want to put it on these platforms. While Otter and similar services do comply with data protection and storage standards, it doesn't change the fact that that data is very valuable and could see these companies become targets. These companies hold data that is really a magnet for anybody who wants to find it, who wants, who sees information as currency. In our, in this stage of the of the twenty first century, information and data is currency, and everyone's looking for as much as they can. And so these are real hacker magnets. So you really need to be concerned about. Yes, they have you know state of the art protections, but you know banks get hacked, governments get hacked. So you can't be a hundred percent. Uh, confident that what you put on any cloud-based platform is going to be safe. You know, everyday people typically aren't using services like these, but what do these sorts of vulnerabilities say about just some of the the concerns that we have to be wary of online when we're uh, dealing with lots of different platforms? I think my story about these transcription apps and the and the vulnerabilities within them is is just the latest example of the how the tech that we use that makes our lives so much easier, so much more convenient, carry a cost and carry a risk that we generally don't pay any attention to. And this is and and it's really something that we we really need to be paying attention to. That we have to remember that in this part of the 21st century our data is monetized. Our data is currency. Apps of all different types are, are harvesting data and looking to for ways to, 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 to exploit it, both benignly and malignly. So I don't know who said this, but it stuck with me. It was many years ago, but anything you do online, it's like, think of it as like a postcard. You know, you write a postcard and you put it in the post and whoever handles that can read your postcard. And I think that's the way that we need to perceive our engagement online. And, and I think this is something that particularly, you know, journalists need to be concerned about. I think anybody who's doing any type of research and sensitive, whether in the human rights field, the nonprofit field, even certain academics, this, is, this technology is incredible. It's so convenient. It saves so much time, but there are downsides. Also in the news today, NFT marketplace OpenSea is investigating a phishing attack on its users that saw 1.7 million worth of NFTs stolen. 
OpenSea CEO Devin Finzer took to Twitter to detail what they found, and it appears 32 users had engaged with the phishing attack and had NFTs stolen. The attack exploited a vulnerability in the contracts, and the hacker had users execute half of the contract with the rest being blank so the hacker could fill it in later and steal the NFTs at no cost. The OpenSea team is trying to narrow down the source of the attack, but say that it didn't originate on their platform. Reuters is reporting that Donald Trump's new social app, Truth Social, will start rolling out on the Apple App Store from today. Following the attack on the US Capitol last year, Trump was banned from Twitter, Facebook and YouTube over his comments surrounding the attack. Trump was furious about the bans and went about creating his own social platform. Truth Social claims to encourage an open, free and honest global conversation without discrimination against political ideology. And billionaire co-founder of Atlassian Mike Cannon-Brooks has had a setback in his takeover bid for AGL Energy, one of Australia's largest energy companies. Over the weekend, it emerged that Mike Cannon-Brooks' firm Grok Ventures and Canadian asset management company Brookfield were launching a takeover bid for AGL, with plans to invest heavily in renewables and accelerate AGL's exit from coal. AGL operates some of Australia's largest energy assets and is Australia's largest emitter. The AGL board rejected the unsolicited proposal, saying that it wasn't in the best interests of shareholders and that it materially undervalues the company. Mike Cannon-Brooks told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation that he was disappointed that the bid wasn't accepted and would continue to pursue the takeover. The Defrag is a production of Lawson Media. The show today was produced by James Parkinson and hosted by me, Christopher Lawson. For more coverage, check out our website, thedefrag.com, and stay up to date on social media, just search for The Defrag. That's all we have today. I'll speak to you tomorrow.